Hey everybody, check it out. Uh, this is Time Out with Patty C. This is episode 19, I think asterisk new. We did episode 19 last week and it was a lame, very lame bracket. We redid the entire bracket and we've started up again. So all the bands we worked with last week have been spread out into new areas and so we might talk a little more about it and then let's talk about the number two issue we had well we're using Zencaster and we're using their audio and video little uh, piece with it and we had some technical difficulties last week so we have missed the journey discussion and we're when you jump right in here we're listening to little Matt Bolton right now you when we jump right in here right now you're gonna get right into uh, the U2 discussion. You didn't miss much of Journey. There were 17 million uh, members in the band. Enjoy. Uh, we're up every Monday now. So uh, glad you're listening. Some U2. There we go. So we good. just finished the U- the Journey uh, discussion. And after some technical issues, um, I you know, on the side note, I have been listening to some podcasts and a lot of people post-produce stuff. I try not to post-produce, but we're going to post-produce a couple sound noises or something. Um, so um, we're we're looking for maybe Papa Gig. Papa Gig, we're going to start with you on U2 here. U2 against Journey. And uh, we have a, we have the streets with where the streets have no name coming up. But what what do you have for us on U two right now? Oh, I could talk a lot about U two. You might have to cut me off with this one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I turned I got turned on in high school. It's funny. My sister brought home U two boy. She brought home the vinyl. My three brother, my two brothers and I, three of us, we'd we'd tease her like U two boy. Like we just <laughs> thought it was a, a weird sounding record, and we teased her. Two years later, um, when War came out, I just leaped headfirst and uh, loved him. Got to see him. My first time seeing him was a really this is this is my fun one. Saw him at the Tower Theater in 1984. Right, they released Unforgettable Fire, and they came over in December of '84, and they just did a couple small theater dates in the states, and then they came back in winter of the next year, and they were playing huge venues, and it was it was just never the same. But I can't believe I got to see him at the Tower Theater, and that was after live at you know, under a blood red sky from red rocks. And, um, last thing real fast, my buddy's sister worked for ticket, Ticketron. As soon as you two was about to come on, he came out to the back parts of the tower theater where my seats were. Yeah. He gave us the two tickets that his buddies had. We snuck into the second row with him. Cause we knew we were going to be standing the whole time. So I got to see you two in the tower theater, second row in 1984. One of my all time <laughs> favorite concert memories. All time. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's a great story. That's a great story. And uh, TD or Big Mike, what do, what do you have? Anything? Well, we know they're I, moving uh, on. I, I you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I, I, you know, I think we covered this last week. Uh, Joshua Tree is um, in like the top. It might be the, the second, my second favorite album of all time. All right. So, yeah, the Joshua Tree is like my second favorite album of, of all time of any albums made. Um, but I have to say U2 is um, – I think they've got the coolest way to uh, like enter an arena and, and end a concert. Uh, when we saw them at the link, um, like they had this black and white uh, sort of uh, camera following them down the hall as they just walked nonchalantly down the hall, like on the way to play this giant stadium. Um, and then to wrap up that concert, they, uh, 
they kind of left individually. They were all playing their instruments and they all just sort of left individually. So Bono kind of exited the stage uh, and then uh, Edge left the stage. Uh, the the bassist left the stage and then the drummer was just left kind of kill, killing it. It was dramatic. And uh, man, I, I've never seen a better wow, end. To a that's concert. nice. Yeah. Yeah. So you two, I, you know, they're probably, uh, I, I, w- I have never at any point in my life called them my favorite band, yeah. but I probably listened to them more than anybody else over the last 40 years. Wow. <laughs> and, and, uh, I've seen them, I don't know how many times, uh, whether it's a, a scaled down kind of Spartan stage set. Or it's, you know, just crazy over the top, like the 360 tour. It's just fantastic. They're, they're, they're just great musicians. They're kind of understated showmen, but I, I think they get that live show vibe and they really connect with the crowd. Yeah, I would argue Bono's uh, not an understated showman, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. True, true, true. Uh, but the other three guys, you know, pretty, pretty, yeah. you know, stayed and calm and just, you know, doing their thing. And just, uh, but it's just always electric and, and fantastic. I love all the music. I, I love every show I've seen. And, and I liked even, you know, the, 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 you know, the albums uh, pop, pop where, you know, people are like, oh, 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 I, I liked all that stuff. I saw them on those tours. They were always just fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. You know, uh, they're, they're, they're pushing out. They pushed out those two videos already. And another one's coming out this week on their YouTube channel. And, um, and just to see it, you know, I have never seen him live, but, you know, to be able to see that. And the drummer is like a heartbeat. And he just sits back there and he just starts and then he ends. And then it's like it's over. And it, and you're like, oh, that was yeah. a great two and a half hours, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. which is awesome. So so now so we know you two's moving on. And now we got the next two. You know, we got Talking Heads against the Kinks. Talking Heads is the number two seed, two or three seed. I forget what the number is. And that's an interesting one um, because we have the Talking Heads against the Kinks. We have somebody that really started it. And then we have somebody that kind of picked it up and took it to the next level. Uh, we, I, it, everyone's going to know who might go through on this round. Um, but, you know, how do you not get pumped on a song like this, right? And then when the two brothers hate each other, <laughs> that's even better. <laughs> Who's got a kink story for us when we start this off? Who's got something? I saw him back at Stabler Arena in the 80s, but I don't know. To me, kinks just go back to that that visceral, great, moving rock and roll, the early kinks. And, and Ray Davies has been a great songwriter all through the years. He, To me, I'll be honest, I'm, I know Talking Heads are the more arty, very unique band, but I'm voting for the kinks on this. Oh. I think it's like the punk rocker in me, that visceral, just great, simple rock and roll. But plus, Ray Davies could write a hell of a song. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm voting for the kinks, actually. Yeah, early, you know, Victoria to the end of the day, tired, you know, all night and all, you know, Sunday afternoon, Lola, oh. you know, stop your sobbing, Lola. Waterloo sunset. Was, ah, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. That's yeah. some crazy stuff there. How about you, Big Mike? What do you, what do you have on the kinks here? Anything? So, I, so when I was growing up, and you know, I, one of the benefits of my childhood was that I had a, a brother who was six years older than me, um, and so, you know, he introduced me to all of these bands. Um, and so, for whatever reason, I always um, kind of put the Kinks and the Ramones sort of in, in the same uh, category, like the same likeness or, or musical sensibility. 
Um, and, I, and they both appealed to me, like the simplicity of their sure. playing. Uh, it wasn't over the top. And so it's almost a weird comparison to put them against talking heads, which seems like a, it almost seems like a much more sophisticated type of yeah. music, um, oh, like heady. Uh, and so I think in this case, I don't know, I, I, I can't be mad about either choice going moving forward, but I think the rawness of the kinks yeah. wins for me. How about you, TD? What do you got? You going against the grain? Uh, well, I really, I really like the kinks. And I remember when I was a kid hearing the song Lola and <laughs> – absolutely loving that song and playing it over and over and over again. I can't say I was a big Kinks fan, um, but I appreciate them. I really like it. Uh, it always makes me smile when I hear it. Uh, but for me, there's no comparison. Talking Heads is just fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And and with the with this one of my favorite, and I, I have to... I got to vote for the Talking Heads, too, because I saw them in 78 at Stony Brook, but it was the Head 77 tour. Um, yeah. And it, it was it was killer. It was awesome. Um, yeah. Psycho killer. Yeah. And it, it was <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was it was just a lot of yeah. fun. And it's funny because I started with the Kinks. And then I then I moved into you know that new wave feel, um, and they were the forerunners on it. And it's you know it's a shame. And this is I'm going to bow a browbeat Lee uh, today because he's he's not here. <laughs> my internet went down. Oh, yep. I switched the wrong you know provider because <laughs> he could have been the, the the deciding vote here. You know he'd be the swing vote here. I, I would I would just like to say if it's not if I could just take yeah. a second the talking heads they're just you know you were talking about complex and heady and you know artsy uh, I just I love their composition I love the complexity of the songs and the, the kind of whimsical nature of, of a lot of it yeah. and I love absolutely love the percussion yeah. and you know so uh, I, you know my first ever I think tribute band concert was local uh start making sense uh oh. you know bethlehem yep. boys yep. because because you can't see the talking heads anymore so i was like okay i'm gonna totally go against one of my cardinal rules here and i'm gonna go see this band and they were great you know and they gave it they gave that vibe but i, I just love the songs it always makes me smile every time i hear it uh whatever Whatever song from whatever era, I just yeah. love them. And and you know, well, we we, we have to vote on, and we, we I'm going to take the first one, and I'm going to push Talking Heads through for for only this one reason. When they when they got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, David Byrne kind of was a little jerk near the end there. Now I understand he wanted to do his own thing. You know, the other band members weren't too happy about that. But when when they got on stage, it, it, another reason why is there were no other members of the Talking Heads. It's not like Warren, who's coming up next, that had seventeen guys. <laughs> you know, it was four of them. They stayed together for a while, and then David was like, "I'm writing all the material. I'm done. I'm doing my own thing." But uh, Tina, actually, the funny part about Tina, I think she got up on stage and says. Finally, my kids can believe me that I was in a band called The Talking Heads. And then they ripped out like four songs at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
<laughs> which was nice. You know, that was kind of pretty cool. Like if I had a kid, it was like, dad, you weren't in that band. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. What are you going to do? So, yeah. So we'll move with the talking heads on to the next level. Well, the next two we have coming up, we had Guns N' Roses last week and I forget who who we had them against. Um, did Queen. Queen. I think it was Queen. Oh, Queen. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a tough one. That was a real tough one. So, so we threw him a bone this week and we have him against Warrant. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys were in, you know, they opened for Hurricane, Ted Nugent, Striper um, back then, but they were all from uh, that era of, um, of Los Angeles on the strip. You know, they were all trying to crazily get their, their, their record deal. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I've heard a couple stories back then. Somebody just wrote a heavy metal book and the guy was like, it's not real, but there were a hundred thousand heavy metal bands in LA at the time trying to get a yep. deal. And Warren was one of yeah. them, but they got in on yeah. it. And, uh, but then, you know, and we talked about this last week, but Guns N' Roses came in after that, not so much on the heels, but the story was, too, that, you know, for two or three years, everyone wore makeup and had big hair. And then yep. then Guns N' Roses came along with jeans and a hat and cowboy boots and says, oh, you don't have to wear the big hair and still rock, rock out yeah. like that. So who? Yeah. And. And everybody wants to say Nirvana ended the glam metal or the hair metal scene, but it was, I believe it was actually Guns N' Roses because I always heard them described as the band that really was what all the other bands were pretending to be. <laughs> they were really that crazy yeah. and, and that talented and that much a mess. Yeah. And, uh, but just, just amazing. Yeah. Um, but I did hear a couple good Warren stories, uh, and and I'm not a Warren fan. But Warren evidently uh, met with Prince. That's right. He uh, was signed. About, they signed yeah, Prince. Signed him first. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, and then Michael Jackson actually talked to Janie Lane about his his outfits and oh. how they did all this energetic stuff on stage and didn't rip the crotch out of their <laughs> pants. And that and Michael Jackson actually used the same costume designer. I don't know set wear designer yeah. that warrant used for the, all, the thriller video and you know all that stuff well, that's that's awesome <laughs> so that's so that's so that's that's all i've got on warrant um guns and roses is just a better yeah. band yeah yeah and they did have a lot of change in that band but not as much even as warrant <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, I know last week uh, both Big Mike and uh, and Papa Gig had some stories on that. Uh, you want to fill us in? I'm not even gonna say the W word. I'm not gonna say a thing about them. I don't think uh, I don't think they belong here. But GNR, I didn't vote for him last week. I voted for Queen, but I'm oh, definitely right. voting for him this week. And yeah, because like we talk about Appetite. Oh my gosh, did that yep. album blow? I, I like some of the stuff that Todd said. Yeah. It was really interesting how they were with the other bands wanted to be. But yeah, they were real. They were visceral. That album was a great record. That was from my college years. And yeah, what a hell of an album. Then uh, the two, uh, Use Your Illusion one and two. Yeah, there was some good stuff on there. Maybe it was a little excessive, but Appetite. You know, that, yeah. that has a very important place in music history. Super important yeah. place, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And a hell of an album. Great rock and roll record. Yeah. So I'm going to bring a band in here that we haven't talked about, but I think is Warrant. Uh, 
like equivalent, like warrant adjacent. And uh, <laughs> and they're the one who stole the show for me, and that is poison. Um, oh, that's right. So if you, you know, then you're talking about Cinderella. You know, you're Warren, yep. Cinderella, all of them. Uh, but but if poison were here instead of Guns and Roses, that'd be a more difficult uh, decision for me. Not really, but uh, but uh, no. <laughs> yeah. But um, but Guns and Roses is the one. Talk yep. dirty to me, baby. Dude. Yeah, and, and Poison was one of those bands on the LA Strip. They moved out there and lived in a in a you know mouse infested warehouse trying to get their record deal. Yeah, and I listened to a podcast recently about all those bands and how they were all intermingled and all connected. You know, they all did time with each other in different bands, and and like Pat said, a hundred thousand bands on the LA Strip all trying to make it. Um. But still, I, I, even if you threw poison in there, I'm, I'm sorry. It's yep. for I mean, me, I'm Guns N' Roses. conflicted, too, like being in middle school and listening to poison and loving like the musicality of like CeCe DeVille's guitar playing, but then like not loving the, the lipstick and like the, the big hair and then being like, yeah. like totally conflicted. Like, what, what do I do? So I was like, <laughs> I was like a closet poison fan. What's a young man to do? Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's exactly. right. Well, there you have it. We got Guns N' Roses moving on. We knew that was going to happen. Now, this, this, these next two, this is going to be a tough one. We have Dire Straits against Steve Miller. You know, we got an English band uh, with an American band. And, you know, Steve Miller started in 66, I think. And his first four or five years, he was psychedelic. And then... Then it was Steve Miller Blues Band, and and then before you know it, you know they they became famous. But then then you have um, you have Dire Straits at the same time too. You know their first couple albums were just phenomenal, and then later on in their career, after the brothers started fighting again, <laughs> and they kicked Mark not kicked off. Well, his brother left on that because of. Some issues, I guess we're saying, but and then they they were one of the biggest grossing touring bands with Mark Knopfler and Brothers in Arms. You know that what was one crazy album. Um, so do you? Does anybody have any Steve Miller's? You know, you know, riding their you know Schwinn, you know, big handlebar bike down the street to get some candy. <laughs> you, you know, and listening to this song. Come on. You guys ever see Dazed and Confused? Yes. Sadly, yeah. I haven't. You know, yeah. you, know, you know, there's a party at the Moon Tower, you know. Um, so, like, if, if I'm standing around a keg in a field and I'm in high school, like, I want to listen. I, I want to listen to Steve Miller. But, yeah. but Mark Knopfler, yeah. like, Dire Straits. I think Dire Straits is responsible for one of the best songs ever written. And that is uh, Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Uh, yep. Just yeah. like the, the way the music is composed, and the idea that he took this story and turned it into this like awesome love song that isn't cheesy—I don't think, in my in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Man, it's it's one of the best songs ever written. I think. Yeah. First time I ever heard of Steve Miller uh, was also the first time I ever heard of marijuana. <laughs> Uh, and, and it was a friend of mine. I was very young and, and very naive. And a friend of mine said, what's that? Marijuana became a friend of yours? No, 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 actually not. We're still not close. And, uh, and, 
But my buddy and I are looking out my window. I was in like fifth or sixth grade in a sleepover. And these guys were doing all kinds of like bizarre behavior out in the street and in their front lawn. And they were they were just a complete mess. And my buddy said, oh, man, they're listening to Steve Miller and smoking pot. And I was like, what are those things? <laughs> so, yeah, and that was it. And then. And then I remember Abracadabra oh. being a a big hit when I was in, you know, junior yep. high and kind of being like, eh, yep. you know, uh, but one of my one of my first musical memories is is my dad blasting uh, Sultan's a swing on his giant cabinet hi fi sure. and and just thinking this is a great song. Yeah, really, really like that. And then I love Brothers in Arms. Steve Miller is kind of famous for being a little difficult too. Like you'd think he'd be this kind of just like freewheeling he guy, but he's yeah. kind of a pain hmm. in the ass. Yeah. 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 I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, you know, Todd and I, we saw him, what, two, three summers ago? Whenever Music Fest yeah, whenever, happened. Whenever we um... – <laughs> Did you, did you guys remember Music Fest? You remember that? Yep. <laughs> you remember back that? Hey, back in the day. I think it was two summers ago. We got we got into the VIP tent yeah. for that. Something like that. Um, Were people smoking marijuana and doing weird things? <laughs> Not that I recall. <laughs> Not even Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Not even me. <laughs> uh, so, Papa Gay, do you, we know Dire Straits is moving on. Do you have any, you know, uh oh! I want to vote for the under. Can I just cast a vote for the underdog? Oh, you certainly can. Me, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I am definitely more of a simple rock and roller. I didn't vote for Pink yeah. Floyd last week, you know. Yeah. And Steve Miller, you know, I don't want the pop rock and roll, but Steve Miller, just that breezy, great '70s sound. Yeah. You know? uh, for me, it was the second record I ever bought, second vinyl. Uh, interestingly enough, Heart Little Queen was the first vinyl record I ever bought with my own money. But yeah. uh, that Steve Miller's Greatest Hits, what a great record! Just what a great. 70s feel breezy you know I, I you know i could see like like the around the keg in the field and just yeah just just chilling with your buddies just just chilling on a drive and listen to that great 70s steve miller so that's, yeah I'm, I'm actually going with him i totally appreciate mark knopfler's talent but uh i sure. just like the just the nice rock and roll songs that steve miller made yeah no no you can't you can't you can't beat that he he started slow had some hits and then slowed into abracadabra and then sl- slowed out slowed out again um i just wish uh, too bad the dire straits couldn't have stayed back together um but you know i guess when when you think you're writing all the good hits and your brother doesn't think so uh it is time for him <laughs> to you know at that point in time too he had enough bucks in his pocket he could just freaking walk away you know it's difficult when they say oh i have to pay the rent i'll i'll stay in this band called poison and and dress yeah. up my hair because <laughs> i have to <laughs> yep so uh, so yeah we got to move on with uh with dire straits on that one uh even though that was that was a nice one so we finally have some queen and we have Super Tramp. Now we all know about Queen. We we've been there, we've done that. But what I really what I like about this little matchup is um it's not even it's it's not even the bref uh, the breakfast um from America uh album which really put them over the top. 
it's this album that had Dreamer and uh, what was the other song? School Days or something in there? That's how I got into uh, Super Trap. Then, of course, every everyone remembers that album cover, Breakfast in America. You know, that was a, a you know famous one. Um, but. How about that? Do, do, do any of you have any good Super Tramp stories? <laughs> Maybe. So, well, I was never a Super Tramp fan, uh, but uh, I had aunts and uncles who were not really pop music fans yeah. who loved Super sure. Tramp. So I heard a lot of Super Tramp on 8-track. Ah. Um in in uh you know their old cars and really always liked it but i would never say i was much of a super tramp yeah. fan you know i appreciate the hits i i couldn't tell you anything outside of five songs that they did sure. how about you big mike this I, I always i'll preface this on this song well, you know it's that live version and and you know I'm in I'm in the fifteenth row and he's and you're waiting for this song and he says at the end of tonight you can take the long way home <laughs> right that's that <laughs> you're, you end you ended your night if I were at a super tramp concert like this I don't know if you've ever been to a concert you're like I just I just want to hear one song. Like that's all. Uh, this would be my that midnight super tramp experience. Uh, I don't know if you guys have bands where they're just like everything about the band bothers you, yeah. and it's not logical, it's not rational. Uh, I'm like, I'm like that with uh, Steely Dan. Like it doesn't make sense in my brain. It all feels like it's the I'm, wrong. I'm I'm with you. It, it I'm feels, totally with you on yeah. that. It feels like every like fifth chord they're playing the wrong one on purpose <laughs> to be like ironic, um, <laughs> uh, and so. <laughs> so Super Tramp, just like the, the, the tonalities of like the guy's voice and like the or the keyboard, yeah. it's it's not my jam. So yeah. whoever they're yeah. going against, I vote for them. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess Queen is your your best friend then. Yes. Yeah. Last last week we had the crazy, crazy wacky, um, you know, bracket. Uh, but now now. Papa Gig, they're against Super Tramp. Who are you picking this week? Going with Queen 100%. I almost feel like yeah. I'm flipping from what I just said before. Like sure. Super Tramp's writing the breezy, fun 70s songs that aren't too meaty. Yeah. And Queen maybe doing a little more artistic, but Queen for me. Yeah. yeah totally. Super Tramp I associate yeah. with the 70s and hanging out at the swimming pool and hearing it on Z95 and the radio. Sure. And then I still hear it on Z95 30 years <laughs> later. Like, this is the best you guys got, Super Tramp. Come on, man. Yeah. You could, you could yeah. do better I'll, than that. Sure. Well, well yep. said. And, and you know, yeah. Super Tramp never had a white rapper who was a fake motocross guy steal, <laughs> steal their sample and then lie about right. it. So, right. Right. And so there's so many good stories about uh, Queen, too. Uh, you know, I like, too, how, um, you know, he recorded this with um, David Bowie. And, you know, it just would have been pretty cool. You know, his lifestyle, probably one of the few rockers that, that you know, made it. But um, and the movie, you know, the movie was was as true as as they they you know they took some liberties but at the same time it was true and um it was a good it was a good story good story about that so 
Yeah, a little sadder I think, than I imagined. I just yeah. Uh, yeah. great movie though. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just think again, Queen is fun. Like I love and I said this before about the talking heads, but I love the whimsical nature of Queen and I loved in in the movie how they showed the kind of absurdity of recording Bohemian Rhapsody and and it it but that's just so much fun, you yeah. know? Uh, and that's that's what I always think of when I think of most Queen songs. It's just it's out there. It's different. It's creative, and it's just fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so we got Queen moving on. That's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I was doing a little uh, a technology cleanup today, and um, I used this program that that gets rid of duplicates of your iTunes library. And I was like, oh, let me just push a couple buttons. You know, I'm just technology. And when I just went to go upload some Almond Brothers songs, because it's Almond Brothers against Marshall Tucker, uh, my iTunes my iTunes library says no Almond Brothers songs available. <laughs> so I'm wondering if I accidentally just deleted my entire Almond Brothers playlist, uh, which is and 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 when you look at the cheat sheet. On on the Almond Brothers, we'll just you know the Almond Brothers brand sixty nine Idlewild South at the Fillmore East, incredible. Eat a peach right after Dwayne, I believe, died. Win lose a draw. Wipe the window. Wipe in the windows. At light and rose. Reach for the sky. Now they did have a couple problems there because I think they did break up and stop touring and or being together in 76 but then seven turns came out you know and even with the almond brothers that was a live show and then where it all began and, and when you look at it too the almond brothers did have a huge cast over the years um but it's not like they just picked up joe who was a barber down <laughs> down the street right <laughs> They were like, oh, who do we get this? Oh, let's just get this famous bass player who now plays with Dead and Company, you know, later on in, in life. And, and, you know, in, listen, no matter what, um, there was some heavy, heavy drug use early on in their lives. So, uh, uh, but, you know, you got all my brothers and then against the Marshall Talker band, which is good for one song or two songs on a road trip. <laughs> right. That's yep. how I look at it. What do, what do you guys think yep. of, of that? Well, I am just going to say that I, my, I'm my, i vastly ignorant on both bands. I know a little bit of the Almond Brothers yeah. stuff, uh, just from friends. Um, other than that, I, I, I sadly have not much to contribute on this one. So I'm going to go with... Can you talk in the other room? Can you talk in the other room? Sorry. Yeah. There's our edit part. I'm... I'm in a podcast. I'm working here. Um, so yeah, so that that's a tough one, Todd. You know, nothing one re- nothing reaches out to you. I, no, I, I, I'm gonna. I would vote for the Almond Brothers uh, just because I know a few songs and, and really like them. Sure. Uh, I wouldn't call myself a fan. Marshall Tucker, I'm really. I'm really ignorant. Yeah. I just, I just, I'm just going to own yeah. that. Well, Charlie Daniels was a big Marshall Tucker fan. I guess helped them along or something. Um, 
you know, one's from Jacksonville and the other one's from Georgia, I think so. Uh, but all, but you would figure Marshall Tucker, Ben, they, they, they came about after the Allman Brothers. So there's, it's like, oh, well, maybe I'll have a chance to warm up for the Allman <laughs> Brothers. So this is also might be a knockout of the park, too, for the Allman Brothers. What do you think, Papa Gig or Big Mike? What do you got on this? I'm like Todd. I'm not too uh, – I, I, I'll be honest. I don't know a lot of the, the songs and discography of either band. Yeah. Um, definitely would lean toward the Almonds. You know, the songs that I've heard, you know, you can totally appreciate their musicianship. Um, just the style of music is not quite my quite my jam, you know. Yeah. Um, or the Southern. I know the Almonds, you know, are a little bit more jammy, but uh, yeah, just not quite my thing. But going with the Almond Brothers, superior musicianship. Definitely. Yeah. I can see that in their music. Yeah. Big Mike. Yeah, Marshall Tucker, Tucker seems to be like the, for me. It always seemed like uh, the Almond Brothers' little brother that wasn't, you know, wasn't allowed to join the band. Uh, they, um, the Almond Brothers, are kind of like guitar virtuosos, and I think, I mean, a lot of it sounds repetitive to me. And I know, like, you know, music aficionados would, would strike me dead, but, um, but. In a battle between the two, uh, Allman Brothers. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you on that one. So the next two, it, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting matchup. We have um, we have the band against Rage Against the Machine, which is which is kind of interesting, <laughs> not just kind of interesting, like really interesting uh, because we have the band. They're, they're kind of different. <laughs> they are kind of big different. So here's the weight from the band. And it, it, from Canada, you know, you know, you got Rick Danko, you got LaVon Helm and the band was crazy. Great. A great musicians and through the years too they had many many different people playing with the band through the uh through the years now i don't know if you guys knew that um they actually were the warm-up band for bob dylan which was kind of neat and um they toured with them, I think, a little like when Bob started going electric, I think. And yep, right, right, Papa Gig? Six, 66, yep. yep. Yeah, there's yep. some great recordings. The 1966 live from Royal Albert Hall with uh, Dylan does a solo set and the band backs him on the electric set on side two is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yep. Yeah, they didn't, uh, you know, they, 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 they cut their teeth and then they ran with it. And then the last waltz, I remember listening to that. I was like, the last concert, they look kind of young. Why are they stopping? And I was like, oh, they just don't want to tour anymore. They, you know, but then when they don't tour and, but yeah, this is a, this is a crazy tough matchup. It's, I'm looking at this. This is like, um, University of Indiana basketball Back in 1956, when it was like you will pass the ball seven times before you shoot, and and then then you play against like I don't know you and the same thing, the running rebels. Yep, <laughs> yeah. Jerry Tarkanian, baby. <laughs> so we know who's gonna win, you know, because it's it's this or it's or it's this, you know. Um, but I know Papa Gig, you you have some Rage Against the Machine stories for us. 
Well, it's funny. It seems like a band that is so right up my alley, you know, because yeah. the punk rock, you know, the, if it were, the Clash is one of my favorite bands. And, you know, there would be no Rage Against the Machine, I don't think, if there weren't the Clash. Yeah. And I, I feel like I should like them more than I do. But I don't know if it was maybe the time of my life. It was like right when I was having kids and stuff. And if I kind of just wasn't tuned in right then. But I feel like I should like them more than I do. But and I also feel that way a little bit about the band. But just the band, just there's something classic about those guys. Yeah. And hey, you write a song yeah. like The Wait, and then you have references to Nazareth, to picking up your guitar at Martin Guitar, right? The very yeah. first lyric of the song, driving down yep. Nazareth. Like, yep. come on. Yep. That yep. is such – on that song alone, I almost might pick your eyes. I just love yeah. that song. And I'm gonna, I want to I wanna piggyback on that just because I always feel apologetic almost that I don't like Rage Against the Machine. Uh, like I feel like I should, you know, as, a, as the heavy metal high school kid, you know, it – but I and I think it was probably exactly what Giggs said there. Like I just think it was probably the time in my life more than anything else. But I never really got into them. And and when I hear stuff by them, it's I don't dislike it. Uh, but the band is just again classic. Uh, it, it just you know it, it it I don't know. It just seems timeless and perfect. Yeah. How about you, Big Mike? Um. Yeah, I, in the same way, I, you know, Tom Morello is this like awesome guy and an amazing guitarist. And that riff you just played, yep. like that, that makes you want to punch an elephant, you know, <laughs> but, I mean, like, that's, that's what music should do. But, um, but I, I felt like, I don't know, I, 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 they should have been in my wheelhouse, but I felt like they were just trying to beat me over their head with their, uh, like their virtue, their virtues and it just it felt like and it also uh, i don't want to take this on a weird uh, in a weird twist but it also seemed like i don't know what types of struggles those guys actually went through and they seem to have like a, a pretty big chip on their shoulder for guys who didn't appear to, to have struggled a ton i don't know if that's the backstory but um yeah i don't know i they always kind of rub me the wrong way and so um, the wait is, you know, we're going up to the moon tower and we're going to, we're going to listen to the band and it's just, their music's easier, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because when I was, when I was making that, um, you know, you had to put somebody against somebody, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, when somebody's. You know, I'm sure even in regular basketball, they're like, well, we'll take that Division One school that just squeaked by and we'll put them against, I don't know, the running Rebels or, you know, somebody else. It'll be yeah. a fun game. I like the matchup. When I saw this one, I thought this this is the most interesting matchup. You know, I like the, yeah. the kinks yep. uh, talking against you, but, but this one's the, I don't know, it's, it's a neat matchup. I like it. Yep, yep. Uh, so, yeah, so so we'll have uh, – we'll have, um, us, um, the band move on and then we're going to see what happens in the second round. So the, the next two, we have another interesting uh, grouping. We have Johnny and Edgar winter. We couldn't put them separately um, against CCR. They, they both Johnny and Edgar both have some good stuff, but you know, you, you do have CCR. And when you start a song like this, you know, you want to you want to go get milk for mom and dad every single <laughs> night after dinner just to be able to go drive, right? <laughs> what do you have for us? Anything? <laughs> so I'm a closet uh, John Mayer fan. And uh, I've got this um, because I really appreciate his guitarist, uh, guitar skills. And I, I, I turned on this Pandora 
uh, John Mayer station. And I kept getting blasted with these Johnny Winter songs because uh, the algorithm kind of pushes you into a blues sort of uh, like, you know, genre. And um, I was like, who's this Johnny Winter guy? So I like Googled him and he's this amazing blues guitarist. He, um, he kind of looks like a character out of Lord of the Rings. Like he's got this long white hair and he's super skinny and he like, he's, he's an interesting looking guy, uh, but an amazing blues guitarist. I know nothing about his brother, Edgar, Yeah, but, um, but an interesting guy, uh, nonetheless. So, um, in a battle between Johnny winter and, and CCR, that's tough for me. CCR. I mean, that's, they're, they're kind of classics though. Right. Ooh. So, yeah. I think I got yeah. a little CCR on this one. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. Yeah. Well, Edgar Winter, just to um, because um, I don't have any of his stuff. That's that's just like warrants. I have none of I have none of the brothers in my itinerary. But I think Edgar wrote that song Frankenstein. You know that song Frankenstein. Yeah, whatever. That's a weird one. That's, That's a weird. A one. weird one. <laughs> but um, how about you, um, uh, TD? What do you got? Anything? I really like CCR. That's a that's a go to playlist when I'm working. I was listening to a bunch of CCR today, working outside. Yeah. Uh, you know, painting. You know, the guest bedroom or what? You know, uh, CCR is one of those bands that I always go to, yeah. and uh, I just always really enjoy it. Uh, and Fortunate Son is probably one of my you know all time favorite songs. I, I just love that song. And that's awesome. So CCR is going through yeah. for me. Yeah, I think I think that was a. Uh, so yeah, they'll be moving on to the next uh, the next time. So now we we have Aerosmith against Bon Jovi. This is the it's it's the love ballad, I guess. The start. You're like, how would you even listen to this song? But after you listen to it for the first, I can't even remember the first time I ever listened to it. Um, but then you're like, oh, and what else is next? And next, and next, and next for Aerosmith. Then I'm just trying to pull up a, a Bon Jovi song right here. He's got no Almond Brothers, but he's got Bon Jovi. You know, so, you know, when you can write a song called Bad Medicine and you're from Jersey and you don't even need to have the, the big hair, you know, you got something there. You know, um, who did he marry? Who did uh, John Bon Jovi marry? The blonde from, uh, not 90210, from Melrose Place. I forget what her name is. Oh, no, that was the guitarist. The guitarist Richie Sambora married Heather Locklear. Yeah, those are some chops, you know. Didn't he he also date Cher? Oh, he did? Hey, maybe maybe I'm throwing out some terrible information there. The Almond Brothers bracket, but yeah, (laughs) yeah. Here first on our podcast, sponsored by Yuri's Brewing. Yep, yep. (laughs) Breaking news. (laughs) I could go for a Yurgis right now. But um, but yeah. So, but I don't, I don't know. You know, even in their later years, Aerosmith could write a song, and yeah. Here's where, you know, I know one probably made more money touring, but they both toured real well in big stadiums. Um, Who's who's got a couple stories? I I, – 
Go ahead, Giggs. Wait, you mean the time I was hanging out with John Bon Jovi in the doctor's office? You want to hear that one? Yes. You want to hear that one? Sure. Okay, I'll take you back to 1986, 19, probably 1986. Saw this video for a song, eventually it was Living on Prayer. Kind of in the back of my head, this guy with the long hair, pretty frayed leather jacket. Just was in the back of my head, saw the video. So it's Christmas break. My brother sprains his ankle playing basketball. I drive him down to the little Oakwood Medical Center, 5th Street in Allentown, 4th Street in Allentown, right where Whitehall turns to Allentown. We grew up in Whitehall. I was assigned um, – you're getting some detail here. I'm assigned yep. gone with the wind for my history class that year in college, for my American history class. I didn't finish it. So I take gone with the wind over Christmas break. Thinking, eh, maybe I'll try to finish the book. I'm sitting in the lobby. My brother's back getting looked at, reading Gone with the Wind. Just me yeah. in the lobby of Oakwood Medical Center. With God as my witness, this story is 100% true. So this, these two guys come walking in, and it's this guy, real pretty looking guy, long hair, impeccable leather jacket with hoodie underneath, Adidas track pants. I could picture it clear as day right now. This is 1986. He sits down near me, picks up a golf digester, golf magazine. I'm reading Gone with the Wind thinking, oh, man, this rock and roll dude, you know. And I slowly just try to hide my Gone with the Wind copy. Sure. I'm eavesdropping because uh, this guy looks familiar. And he looks – he does not look normal. He didn't look like a Whitehall Allentown guy. I'm listening to the, the guy talk at the window, his manager, whomever, tour manager. Hey, he's got a bad voice. There's a concert tonight. He thinks he has laryngitis. You know, we want to see a doctor, blah, 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 blah. I'm put, trying to put it together. I'm thinking – I think I saw this guy on MTV. <laughs> so he gets called in shortly thereafter. My brother has no idea what's going on because he was back waiting to be seen. So when he comes out, we piece it together, piece it together. And what the hell? That was John Bon Jovi waiting in that doctor's office in 1986. I never said a word to him. I just hid my Gone with the Wind book because I felt so uncool. So we were waiting in the lobby together for a minute or two before we went back to be seen for laryngitis. Back Maybe it was, was it Shock to the Heart tour? Like, because he was screaming that song. It was the very beginning. It was the first one. It was the beginning. Whatever Living oh, on Prayer, whatever album that was oh, on. Years holy later, holy. Pittsburgh. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm voting for Aerosmith. I'm voting for the, the American Rolling Stones. And, you know, so I'm voting yeah. for them. Even though I was hanging out with Tom Bon Jovi in the doctor's office. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, and Big Mike, anything to follow through? I always felt like uh, Dream On would have been a better song than Stairway to Heaven to wrap up middle school <laughs> dance. Yeah. Uh, and I think if that had happened, uh, Aerosmith would have really uh, just kind of blown up uh, more than they did. But Aerosmith for me was – and I'm, maybe you guys had the same experience. Uh, remember when you found the Columbia Records or the BMG where you yep. like buy the 10 CDs and you pay yep. for the – that's where I loaded up on my Aerosmith. Uh, and so I, yep. I got a ton of Aerosmith then, and I got my fill. And uh, Sweet Emotion is one of the, the best riffs ever yes. to start a yep. song. Uh, and so Joe Perry can I'm, play I'm, it. I'm voting, yep. I'm voting uh, Aerosmith. Oh, that's great. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, they had a feeling they were going they were going through on this one. Now, this, one's, this one could be a slam dunk too, but um, if you take the songs and or the band's and the mentality behind the two, um, it, it might be an interesting night. And it mean meaning, like if you walked in the party, it'd be like, there's the pot brownies or the big <laughs> bottle of pills you can take. Just whatever. You're going to be fine. Uh, because you got Iron Butterfly against the doors. And my iTunes library only has this song in it, which is in the God of the Vita. Right. Which, 
did did Iron Butterfly record anything else? <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> think so. Not so much. I don't no. know. I don't yep. know. And you know, they were they were famous, I guess, back in the day. Let's put it this way. But they were. I knew them from one reason. This song was in the original Manhunter, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Wow, this is a good song." And it's 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 not a two minute song. It's like ten freaking minutes long. Yeah. But but you can't. And then you got Jim. So you you got psychedelics on both sides of this. One has one or a couple good songs, and the other one just goes a little deep. Yeah. Yeah. Who's who's got some door so, stories? Uh, well, I never. Uh, my my dad was at a party in 1967 with Jim Morrison. Yeah, that's all I got on the doors. <laughs> um, his my dad's quote was he was pretty much of an asshole. Uh, so sorry. We, maybe we have to edit that out. Um, but I never considered myself a Doors fan. But when I put playlists together, like I do a you know 60s 70s yeah. playlist. It's it's almost it's almost you know a third Doors songs. Sure. There there are a, a ton of really great songs uh, that I really enjoy. So uh, and I can only name you know Inagata Devita from Iron yeah. Butterfly. Yeah. So and I and I like that song, yeah. but it, that's it. I just, I don't know anything. And I actually have that album upstairs from my dad, and. I don't know that I've ever listened to anything other than Inagata sure. Devita. Now, the good thing about the Doors too is it was just four guys, and then yeah, then there were just no guys, or like the band was no longer, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, but it was all his poetry, you know, it was all his writing. Yeah. Uh, even though it was his his lyrics, I think, but the band mostly mostly wrote everything else. Isn't that true? I think, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think Robbie Krieger mm-hmm. on guitar and Ray Manzarek on keyboards. They were they were fantastic in that band. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Ray Ray Manzarek was just awesome. Yeah. just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and I and remember, the boy, they they almost remind me. Go ahead. Uh oh. Oh, the Doors almost remind me of CCR. Like, boy, for a couple of years, did they churn out song after song? Yeah. Like CCR hit it really mm-hmm. hard in that period. They made a lot but the doors you know it's like three three years or so that they put out a, a bunch of records and a lot of really good songs and yeah and then it seemed like jim morrison kind of went downhill yeah you know, he almost too uh, you know there was not enough editing you know i think you know he was way too into his whatever he got too out there and i think they couldn't rein him in enough you know but boy those first three years or so yeah that, that was a yeah. great output well yeah you know he was a slender guy that fit into those he was a good-looking, slender guy, and he fit into the leather jeans. And then he was no longer slender. <laughs> I guess but that night in Miami, he did not. He came out of those leather jeans, oh. and he got arrested. <laughs> that, that is, yeah. You got that right. At least yep. part of him came out of the leather jeans. Yep. 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 So, Big Mike, what do you have? Do you have something for us? So, yeah, I, I mean, I think the doors have to move on here, but I, I, it has to be said that I had the weirdest roommate ever in college. <laughs> it was like way into the doors, and it like kind of culminated with him asking like, hey, man, do you think every night we could just like before we go to bed, maybe just read a passage from like Jim, Jim, Jim Morrison's book? And me just like, just to keep the peace, I was like, all right, we'll do that. So like, <laughs> 
for a good couple of weeks, like we were just like two dudes just reading Jim Morrison poetry to each other before we went to bed. This is reading from the Gospel of Jim, chapter yes. twenty-three, verse seven. Total weird stuff. It was like, it was like a yeah. club with two. Yes, dudes. it is. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. So the last two, we so we'll have the doors moving on on that one. And then the last two we have, interestingly, a Blue Oyster Cult against the Eagles. Now, of course, the Eagles, you know, got a better seed on this. Um, but when when Saturday Night Live can run a skit on this song, you can't beat it, right? <laughs> the Eagles never had a a, a cowbell, I don't think, right? <laughs> No, sir. Nope. Yeah, Joe Walsh. Nope. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, and then, but then you got the Eagles. And um, my sister turned me on to the Eagles back in the day. And, you know, they were just phenomenal, you know, crazy phenomenal. Um, and, you know, you, I don't know what else you can say, but, you know, I meant to bring this up. And I know this is why I'm also going to vote for the Eagles is, uh, you know, Don Henley played with Guns N' Roses on the drums for one show when their drummer got put into a rehab clinic and couldn't make it to the show. Oh, God. And I was like, see. That's why people tune in to Time Out with Patty C. Right there. Bon Jovi at the, at the clinic and and Don Henley on drums with Guns like N' Roses. Who, like who would have called Don Henley up? Like we know it was an Axel because he's never on time. It was like someone said like, no. hey, man, you're uh-huh. really good. Um, it's one show. It's an award show. Maybe we play five songs, and then Don Henley's like, "Yeah, I haven't been doing anything lately. Uh, might as well, you know, I'll jump in." <laughs> so it's those little. That's it's awesome. those little, Don Henley's. It's those little tidbits, I guess. And and I'll start with Big Mike because you play the guitar. And well, Todd TD, you play the guitar too. And uh, no, no, I thought you did. No. Only, only in appearances. Ah. Like a, just, and just, ladies uh, and gentlemen, uh, you will uh, hear. <laughs> you will hear another technical issue with Zencaster that night when I did not plug in to the Ethernet cable. So these were the last two bands, and the Eagles moved on. You just heard a little couple tidbits of the band back and forth, and uh, you didn't miss much. But don't worry, because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm ratcheting it up on the next level for, um, for this week's uh, second round, bracket number two. Hopefully you can join us, and let's uh, just ease out with a little Matt Bolton. <laughs> 